0: there's only one nation raider nation you're listening to silver and black tonight on the mightier 1090 espn radio
1: Welcome back. Silver and Black tonight here on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio. We are Southern California's only all Raiders talk show. Booming up and down the West Coast, whether you rep Raider Nation in Stockton or in San Diego. From Hayward to Hanford. From Los Angeles to San Leonardo. From Concord to Carlsbad. We're your source For Las Vegas Raiders football coverage. Hi everybody, I am your host, Scalco Branson. My co-host is Mr. Maurice Moten. He's a national NFL writer for Bleacher Report. And there is a plethora of Raiders football to talk about. The silver and black red zone was the dead zone. The Raiders make seven trips into the red zone in the playoff game and can only muster one touchdown. I mean, are you kidding me? Uh, You look at this, but it was never new, nothing new for this Las Vegas offense. They continue to struggle, as we've seen on the second half of the year, as did Derek Carr in the cold, and the Raiders can't handle Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase defensively. A very winnable game ends up being their season curtain call. They lose 26-19. After the loss, Mike Mayock Blown out as GM during his tenure while he hit on some gems in late rounds. It was the massive failures in early rounds that spelled doom for him for a really good man whose star was hitched to the deposed former true GM of the team, of course, John Gruden. Remember, Cleland Farrell, Lynn Bowden Jr., Damon Arnett, Tanner, Tanner Muse, Alex Leatherwood, and Jonathan Abram. Well, Mark Davis did, and so Mayock is out, and we'll talk about that tonight. Also, central to the Raiders' future is this question, who will be the head coach to work with the new general manager on getting this team over the hump? The leader amongst fans and according to the offshore betting odds is former 49ers coach and current head coach at the University of Michigan, Jim Harbaugh. Is he the right guy? Many of you say yes. And later on in the show, we'll be joined by the publisher of Wolverine Digest by Sports Illustrated, That is Brandon Brown. Is there truth to the rumors? Would Harbaugh leave Ann Arbor for the bright lights and big city that is Las Vegas? We'll get the latest from Brandon and discuss the positives and negatives of Harbaugh as a possible replacement for Rich Bisaccia. Mo and I will also delve into the roster of this Raiders team, a team that won 10 games and made the playoffs, yet still has a lot of room to get better if they want a challenge for an AFC West Uh, title and the playoffs every year many tough decisions need to be made and not everyone will be back so who stays who goes will give you our take now I bring in my partner Mo Moten now Mo another eventful week in Raider Nation and another offseason with some uncertainty but this is not a sinking boat right we've talked about this it's a boat that needs a better crew some repairs to the hull if you will but it's not a complete rebuild why should Raider Nation feel better now than when they did when John Gruden came on board to replace Jack Del Rio back in 2018.
2: Well, first of all, I want to say to everyone, if I'm sounding a little low, I'm a little under the weather, so bear with me.
1: Yeah, Mo- wearing- Mo's a big star now. He's like doing radio shows like six times a day. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I'm wearing my khakis. I'm I'm toughing it out. Khakis?
3: Here. Yeah, right. I got my
2: khakis on, got my UNM uh, snapback on. Nice. Uh, just, <laughs> just a... For load into later in the show. But no, seriously. Um (laughs) you know what? This this the end of this season for the Raiders has a different feel than previous seasons, obviously, because Mm -hmm. you had a playoff appearance. What's odd is that we're still in this mode where the Raiders have to make a change and they have to choose a direction. What's the future of this organization? What's the future of this franchise? Where's the roster going? So even though they've had a kind of positive end of the season, we're still in in this period where we don't know what's going to go on. Because as you mentioned, Mike Mayock fired on Monday, Uh, the head coaching candidate search is heating up and the Harbaugh rumors are around. What are they going to do with the roster? And to me, I think it, Everyone's talking about this domino effect. And mm. I think first the first thing that has to happen before we can answer any of these questions, before we can delve into any of what they're going to do is we have to know what they're going to do with the general manager head coaching position. Now, I will say this. If they hire a person like Jim Harbaugh, mm. which you're probably going to have as a head coach that's going to have a lot of influence. He may not have as much influence as John Gruden had, but if you're going to hire Jim Harbaugh, he's going to want to bring in somebody of his liking not necessarily someone that you think he's going to pair well with. So that's something to watch out for.
1: Yeah, and Mo, what, that's a really interesting point too because I, I've seen a lot of chatter amongst the nation about that, about GM, coach, he's going to want control. A lot of people say, well, no, you can't get a, a good GM like Dodds out of Indy because he's he's not going to give control to Harbaugh. And I think they're looking at it all through the wrong lens, to be respectful. They're looking at that Gruden lens. Gruden had Complete and utter control. Make no mistake, I keep telling people this and they don't seem to listen when they say, Well, Mayock might have had influence. No, Mike Mayock might have had influence, but he never had a final decision. So that's what's different here. And I think, you know, Jim Harbaugh coming in, yes, he's going to want some control, but, you know, that does not preclude them from getting a GM who's a good GM, and you did two pieces on SportsNOT the past week. One was on the GM search and one uh, just a couple days ago, or on Thursday, actually, uh, about the coaching search. They don't have to happen. and In in this case, you may end up seeing, uh, which seems weird, that a GM would be hired after a coach. But if there's some sort of agreement and they understand each other, you might see Harbaugh hired before a GM, which I don't know if necessarily I like, Mo, because I think you need the GM to come in after what we went through with Mayock and the Gruden monster. You, you need to, to establish that GM as the authority for the franchise. Here's the thing, though. If you do hire a GM first, let's
2: say the Raiders are interested in Jim Harbaugh. Mm-hmm. And we're going to talk to Brendan Brown later on. And he basically said they are. But let's say the Raiders are interested in him. As a, Let's take that as a, as a, as a fact, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. If they are, then that GM hire, they have, to, they have to in some sort of way say, okay, you have to understand we, we want to hire you for this GM position, but you're going to have to work with Jim Harbaugh. Yes. And that, I think that's the tricky part about this because if, if they do make the GM hire first, that guy has to be on board. And if he's on board, they have to keep it hush-hush that, look, Harbaugh is not connected to this in, in any type of way
1: that's no that's a great great point point. and I think if you're Jim Harbaugh by the way you you you're going to want some control over your roster. you want you want player personnel say doesn't mean you control all of it and I think for Jim Harbaugh I'm sure he's going to want a say on quarterback I know people are speculating on Derek Carr and the stupid report about Indianapolis and Carr and all that I don't believe any of that but um, and I still think even with Jim Harbaugh I think Carr would be back but what does it mean for Carr's future down the line a couple years might be different um, but you're gonna if you're Jim Harbaugh and you take the Raiders job you'll be happy to have Derek Carr but secondarily you're also thinking if you sign a five or six year deal which I would assume that's the minimum it would be then you're going to talk about in your head you're going to say to Mark Davis look that's fine I need to go get my quarterback of the future because by the time we build this thing up and we're going Derek Carr might be done you don't know so so they have to do that there's going to be some say now when you look at this um, the, the whole situation, and, and like you said, we're going to talk to Brandon Brown from Wolverine Digest from Sports Illustrated uh, after the first break. Uh, but you look at this team, Right. And and I think the thing that concerns me most, and, and, and again, this is just watching fans. You and I interact with fans all the time, especially on, on the platform that is Twitter, the, the the Cesspool, um and and all that. And what what I'm seeing though with this idea of, of wanting to retain Rich Bisaccia, who again, we've always said good man, um, but is this idea that you are you you you're 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 in a place where you're comfortable. You made the playoffs, so that's good enough, right? Um, But it's like self-preservation. Why would you want that? Why would you want to think about Rich Basaccia, even though he did a good job, when you look at the rest of the division? And then as I posted uh, uh, on Twitter this week, I said, listen, if you're going to consider Rich Basaccia, Mo, you have to compare him to every coach in the playoffs. Where does he stand? Where does he stack up? No offense to him, he doesn't. Now, a Jim Harbaugh, three NFC Championship games, a Super Bowl, absolutely.
2: You're absolutely right about that. And I think part of the reason, because a lot of people are asking, well, if they're interested in Jim Harbaugh, why are they going through the interviews? First of all, you have to satisfy the Rooney rule. Uh, And I think out of respect for Rich Passaccia, who led your team to the playoffs through a difficult, difficult season, you owe him at least an interview. I think that's just out of courtesy. So if you're looking at it that way, he's going to be in the, I think Ian Rapport said that. Rich Passaccia in the mix. I had Rich Passaccia four on my head, head coaching candidate list. I think he belongs on that list. He did something that hasn't been done since 1961. Wally led a led his team to the playoffs as an interim. Mm-hmm. He did something that hasn't been done in about 60 years. So you give him that respect based on what he's done and what he's accomplished. But as you said, when you compare the resumes, it's not even close. One no. guy hasn't even been a head coach for a full-time season. And one guy has been to three straight NFC Championship games and a Super Bowl. Oh, by the way, led Michigan to their first Big Ten title since 2004, beat Ohio State for the first time since 2011, and led Michigan to the college football player for the first time in the program's career, So, and program's history. so. But, He's Mo,
1: he wears, Jim Harbaugh wears on his players. Yeah, I keep hearing this narrative, but I never see any proof of it. Where Have you seen a player say anything bad about him? No. What
2: I'll say is that he probably wears on – the guys in the front office because sure. <laughs> he's a he's a strong personality and this yeah. goes back to my point about the Raiders if they are interested in Harbaugh they have to be careful who they hire as a GM because mm. that guy's personality has to mesh with Harbaugh's because if he's a strong personality you bring in another guy with a strong personality you could have a power struggle there now will I will say about Ed Dodds who's a favorite on Raiders Twitter. Uh, Ed Dodds has pulled out of this isn't the first year he's pulled out of interviews. Now, a lot of people saying I think he pulled out of the Bears. situation. Yeah, it was the Bears. Yep. Um, And people saying, well, maybe he's interested in the Raiders, and That's why he's pulling out. I will say that he seems very particular about where he wants to start his general manager career, because he two years ago, I believe he turned down an interview with the Cleveland Browns. Mm hmm. So he's he's not just going to he's just now out here looking for a job. He wants the he wants the perfect situation for him. So I, I don't think it's about the Raiders, I think it's about him landing in the right spot.
1: Yeah, and 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 that's where you could see a situation again where you if if Jim Harbaugh were to work out and he coached the Raiders and of course the reports on Thursday yesterday were that if Jim Harbaugh, if the Raiders offered him, he would take it, right? That was kind of floated. If that's floated by an agent, if that's floated by, who knows who that's floated by, but it's out there, Um, is that you you see some of these younger GM candidates that the Raiders are interviewing – and you think maybe that's the direction they go—a a young player personnel guy who doesn't have experience as a GM or even as an assistant GM, but is a, is a, is an up and comer in the league. Because then you have the alpha dog in Harbaugh, and you have a younger guy who's coming in, uh, who can who can you can manage, right? You can manage that relationship because he's he's more junior to Jim Harbaugh. And he can kind of get along, and they can be copacetic, right? So, so it's going to be interesting to watch that. Uh, and again, we're coming up um, when we talk after the break. We're going to be talking to Brandon Brown from Wolverine's Digest out in Ann Arbor. We'll talk to him about all of this and the latest on the Jim Harbaugh rumor mill. Uh, but Mo, I want to touch uh, in the in the remainder of this segment on a couple of things. One, I know Raider Nation is fully moved on, and they're ready for the for the coaching GM search and whatever player acquisitions happen up to uh, the draft and after the draft, so on. But I want to just touch quickly on the game that was. The Bengals uh, defeat the Raiders 26-19. The Raiders had a chance at the end of the game to tie the game, maybe even if they went for two, which I doubt Rich Passaccia would have done on the road, but nonetheless, they could have won it. So they don't, they fail. We see the red zone issues, as I mentioned in the opening, uh, one of seven in the red zone as far as touchdowns. So we, we had the field goal bonanza again, which is great for Carlson, but not great for the Raiders. And um, all I keep hearing still about the game is about the officiating and the oh, the whistle call. and. I just want to go on. Listen, Raider Nation, I love you. You guys are amazing fans. But just stop. Just they lost because they couldn't score. Um, and I think that the other thing you saw was the, the clock struck midnight, Mo. This team was living on borrowed time. And, and somebody said it, it might have been Jason Fitz, our good friend at ESPN, uh, said, uh, you know, the Raiders are, are playing on house money, right? And it seemed like that the last four weeks, you know, credit them for everything they did to get into the playoffs. But, man, they were doing it by the skin of their teeth. And every every team that seems to play that way, it, it comes due. The bill comes due. And, boy, did the bill co- bill come due. Offense couldn't generate anything. And then the defense struggled against Burrow and Jamar Chase.
2: Yeah, though the whistle play was controversial, and you can argue that the play should have been blown dead, as you said, the Raiders did not lose that game because of that play. Right. It comes. To, it comes down to two things for me. As you talked about, Red zone inefficiency, five trips to the red zone, one touchdown, three field goals and a turnover in the last Mm -hmm. uh, last drive of the game, last play of the game. So there you go. If they convert one of those field goals into a touchdown, we're looking at probably a tie game. Daniel Carlson probably comes in, kicks a field goal and we're 26, 26 tie going in overtime. The other thing is something that we talked about all the way back in August. What is this offensive line going to look like? <laughs> is it going to have problems throughout the whole year? And sure enough, it did, and it popped up at a, at a bad spot. It seemed like every time, every time Josh Jacobs had a decent run, it was called back by holding, by a uh, Leatherwood or Brandon Parker. Those offensive line holding uh, holding calls or whatever pre snap call pre snap penalties, those really hurt the Raiders a lot. Yeah, again, a lot yep. of big games, a lot of big games called back. Uh, That's inexcusable in the playoff game. You just can't have it, especially down the red zone, especially when you're on the Bengals side of the field. I think those two particular things, red zone efficiency, offensive line penalties, which we've been talking about all year, definitely hurt the Raiders and cost them that game.
1: And the other thing is, you know, look, I give the Raiders defense. I heard a lot of people too, and by the way, look, the Bengals roster just just better. It's just a step ahead of the Raiders, right? I mean, you look at that receiving core and what Joe Burrow has, even though his offensive line... The Raiders were going up against a backup right tackle and didn't have much success there. So... so. You know, they're just a, a step or two ahead of where the Raiders are. And so their roster from top to bottom, just a little more built out, I think. Um, but you look at the defense, a lot of people, too, saying, oh, if we get a new coach, can we keep Gus Bradley? First of all, it doesn't work that way. But number two, remember, this defense still finished 23rd, folks. It's not – it was – you know, I always said middle of the road. If they finished 15 to 17, that would be huge, and I think the Raiders would be much better – and they, did, they made strides. Obviously, up front, we saw amazing things happen. Yannick Ngakwe came back, kind of got his form back uh, at least most of the year. And, of course, Max Crosby, what he's doing, the interior line, Darius on some surprises. You don't know if that's sustainable, if those guys are going to be able to play like that consistently. They have certainly had a good year inside um, most of the year. Not all of the year, but most of it. And so this talk about the ra- – this is where I'm worried about – the lowering of expectations, Mo, because this defense was okay. It wasn't great. I understand the Raiders' defense has been awful the last three years previous. So you you see improvement there, and there was improvement. You saw the offense go backwards. So I don't understand. And even even with Rich Pasacha, they said, "Well, you know, he's he's one of the best special teams coaches." I mean, they're special teams. The Raiders also were 19th in special teams in the NFL. Okay, so so let's not start putting making a piece of coal look like it's a diamond when it's not.
2: I think it comes down to this. I think when it come, when you break down a lot of these stats mm-hmm. and I, and I would say you can always use numbers to fit your narrative. I'll say this, yes. that the Raiders definitely play defensively, special teams wise, definitely played a lot better. in the second half of the season, particularly in the last quarter of the season, you want to say yes. like four or five games. So uh, some of those numbers you can kind of play with and sit and say, Oh, they, they were 26 here, they were seventh there, they were fifth mm-hmm. here, tenth there. What I look at is what you know, if you're gonna let go of Gus Bradley, which I think they probably will, assuming they bring in a new coach and staff because as we know, when a new head coach comes in, he's going to bring his in his own staff. And I, I like you, I hear a lot of people saying, well, Gus Bradley could stay and Rich Passage could stay in his role. people, you got to remember, you don't just pluck these guys <laughs> and put them in and put them in a head coaching lab. They have to want to be there too. So Gus Bradley, you know, I know the numbers don't look great, but if people look at what he did with that Raiders defense compared to what it was in previous years, how do you know he's not going to get a better offer elsewhere? Right. How do you know Rich Passage is not going to get a better offer elsewhere? So you have to understand the new head coach has to want to want these guys in and these guys have to want to be there. So yeah. you just, it's not as simple as, oh, this guy could stay, that guy could stay.
1: Yeah, no, that that's absolutely true. And I understand, you know, fans especially, they see improvement. So you want to you want to recognize that and say, hey, we like Gus Bradley. His teams played better. Um, at the same time, you, 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 to your point, it's 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 like it's like a political office. You don't say, hey, you know, this guy won president, so why can't we just keep the vice president we liked him before. So no, it's not the way it goes. You you bring in a staff, it's the people you trust, the people you hire to do the job because it's your butt on the line, <laughs> the new coach, and you wanna have all your faith. Doesn't mean that the other guy's not a good coach, but you bring in your own people. So I, I fully understand that. And Mo, we're gonna have to get into this another time. We only got a couple minutes before the break, but the also the other thing here too to consider is, you know, I keep uh, all of the the roll call of, oh, we got to make sure we sign this guy and sign that guy. But then you look at Carr needs a new deal. And the people who say, well, no, Carr just needs to play out his contract. Not how it works, folks. Let's <laughs> let's wake up to reality. You have Darren Waller is going to need a new contract. OK, and how do you go about that? You have Max Crosby. You have Josh Jacobs with the fifth year option. You and I have talked about you have Gokwe, who's on a you know, it's got a year left but does he now want to restructure because he kind of proved himself again and you don't know how things are going to go on. So there's all of these guys, even your buddy Zay Jones. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> uh, but there's, there's all these different players and you go, you go down to a lot of the free agents they signed on one or two year deals who performed well. Um, you have a lot of work to do on this roster. Yeah, you do,
2: surprisingly. I mean, as I've said on previous shows, the Raiders, the Raiders have pieces. It starts with, to me, Derek Carr, and you mentioned Yannick Ngakwe, Max Crosby, Hunter Renfro, Darren Waller. I think those are key pieces. We'll see what happens with Josh Jacobs. Of course, I think he's obviously, he's obviously going to be back because of his contract. But are they going to exercise right. his fifth-year option? We don't know. But as you said, the interior of that defensive line, those guys, a lot of those guys, one-year deals, Solomon Thomas, uh, Jefferson, Quinton Jefferson, Yep. Gwyneth. Uh, wh- Jonathan Hankins probably on an expiring deal. So what's going to happen with that? I think the linebacker corp needs a that that group needs a needs a, a facelift because Nick Kukowski and Corey Littleton. Remember awesome. those were the yeah. those are the prime jewels of, of their free agent signing class a couple of years ago. And I think both guys going to be out of the door when it comes to the off Are you going to bring back Morrow? What's going to happen with KJ Wright? So you know it, yeah. it's a lot. It's some work to do, but they have. Yeah.
1: Some, it is Mo. We're up against the break now, so we're gonna pick. We'll pick up this conversation later in the show uh, and in the weeks to come here on Silver and Black tonight. All right, coming up next, Brandon Brown with the latest from Ann Arbor on
0: Jim Harbaugh. You're listening to
1: Silver and Black tonight only on the Mightier 1090.
0: We will be right back with Silver and Black tonight on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio. Now back to Scott and Mo on Silver and Black Tonight on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio.
1: Welcome back. Silver and Black Tonight only here on Southern California's Voice for Raider Nation. That is the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio. Jim Harbaugh, well, where will he coach next year? Is he going to stay at Michigan? Is he going to be the coach of the Las Vegas Raiders? To delve into that question, Mo and I now welcome to the Newsmaker Line, our good friend Brandon Brown. He is the publisher of Wolverine Digest from Sports Illustrated. You can follow him on Twitter at BSB underscore Wolverine. Okay, Brandon, let's play Where's Waldo. Where is Jim Harbaugh? We've been watching the website and the great stuff you guys have been publishing, including your videos, about Harbaugh on the road recruiting Harbaugh at a hockey game. What's the latest from Ann Arbor? What's the mood there amongst the Michigan Wolverine diehards on what Jim Harbaugh may or may not do?
3: Oh man, it it is such a loaded question right now. I mean, there's there's a, there's a handful of things that are that are known at this point. I mean, it, it's it's become abundantly clear, and there's a lot of different people in the Michigan market who are very plugged in. Some that I've had the, the privilege of working with, some that I've you know i guess you would call them competitors whatever it's kind of a weird vibe in the whole media market anyway but there's people who know what they're talking about and everybody's come to the conclusion now that it's 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 not a it's not a speculation it's not a maybe it's a guaranteed 100% fact that Jim Harbaugh's waiting for something he's waiting to see if there's an offer he wants to take he's waiting to see if there's an offer that's not good enough that tells him it's back at Michigan it's waiting to see if the raiders or any other team goes in a completely different direction and tells you thanks but no thanks. I mean, he's waiting for something. I mean, at this point, it's been like 50-plus days since Michigan beat Ohio State. Mm. They knew on that day that Jim Harbaugh was going to get a restructured contract. He's not going to be the 11th highest-paid coach in the Big Ten after the season that he just had. So it's, it's just kind of figuring out what's going on. He's still out recruiting. He made a big hire in Mike Elson, the D line coach. He hosted a big uh, recruiting event over the last weekend, and now he's out on the road. I believe he's down in Florida right now or wherever he's at. He's been bouncing around all over the place, um, you know, doing his job. You know, he's under contract. He's doing his job. He's always been billed as a hard worker, so that's what he's doing. It's just, It's just a waiting game at this point. I think if the Raiders came through with an offer, even that doesn't guarantee that he's leaving. But that would certainly give him something to think about. I know there's, you know, Bruce Feldman. That's a prominent dude right there. When he says he's talking to people at Michigan that said he would leave if offered, like, I mean, Bruce Feldman's not just making that up for fun. Right. There's, a, there's a huge faction of the Michigan fan base who thinks that anything comes out like this is just nonsense. It's not, it's, it's just not nonsense right now, not at all. So if I
2: heard you correctly, Brandon, you're basically shooting down the noise that he's using the Raiders, using the NFL interest as leverage for a better deal because a lot of people are talking about, well, got his salary reduced, so now he's trying to get that money back, and this is why this is coming out because there are some sources that came out and said this is all noise. So what you're saying, yeah. so based on what your first answer is, this is he doesn't really need that NFL interest to get a new contract from Michigan.
3: No way. I mean, that's that, that, there's no way – that after the year he just had, you go 12-2, and you you beat Ohio State soundly, you destroy Iowa in the Big Ten championship game, and you make it to the playoff. Now, Georgia was far better than Michigan on that day, but you still made it there. You Mm -hmm. still checked off a lot of boxes that he hadn't checked off yet, finally did in year seven. But it's the best season Michigan football has had in 25 years. I mean, you could make that argument since they won the national title in 1997. And so – there's no way he's going into the 2022 season at that pay scale. Like I said, the 11th highest paid coach in the Big Ten. He's like 32nd or 33rd in the country. He's going to get paid. It's just is it going to be from the Raiders, another NFL team, or Michigan. There's, there is literally there is no reason that he would have to use leverage in any way, shape, or form to get a raise after the season he just had. And he's deserving of it. I mean, like He was paid like that when he got to Michigan. And he fell short for several, for six seasons. In, in, in my opinion, he, a lot of those things he was hired to do, he didn't do. He did mo- most of them, if not all of them, in year seven, pay the dude. He doesn't, have, he doesn't need the Raiders or anybody else to get Michigan to pony up. They, they've handed Jim Harbaugh the keys to everything he's wanted since he's been at Michigan. They, he's going to get paid. It, it doesn't need to be a leverage situation. Gotcha.
2: So my partner here, Scott, dropped one of your tweets in, in a, in a group, group chat recently. <laughs> and basically it was saying that it was your tweet saying that, hey, um, might have changed your mind on what Harbaugh is going to do. So I guess you initially thought he would stay. And then something Ooh. changed your mind. So without you going, I, you don't have to go into real specifics. But what, what made you change your mind on what Harbaugh might do uh, between the Raiders and Michigan, his decision coming up?
3: Yeah, no, I, I don't mind going to the specifics because it took some pretty specific things to get me to shift my thinking. I mean,
2: mm-hmm. up
3: until, I don't remember what day it was now, two days ago maybe, I was I was still in the camp. I think he's going to be back at Michigan. I think all of this noise with the NFL and the Raiders is absolutely real. But the path of least resistance is back at Michigan. You just had a fantastic year. You just signed a very good recruiting class. You're on track to do it again in 2023 in terms of the recruiting class. You're out there recruiting. You hired Mike Elson. The path of least resistance and the one that makes the most sense is to be back at Michigan. And that that may still be the case, but I think that – the Raiders, first of all, officially moving on from Mike Mayock. I know that was probably the plan all along, but until that actually happened, you weren't going to start interviewing new GMs or bringing in coach candidates because he was still there. So when that when that shoe fell, that was one of the that was one of the dominoes that I thought needed to have needed to fall and happen. And then I talked to people close to the Raiders organiza- organization that said, with a lot of confidence, that Jim Harbaugh was probably the was the number one target for Mark Davis. Um, and, and, and then you look at other NFL – Jay Glazer and other NFL analysts are saying that Jim Harbaugh is putting feelers out to see which coaches might join him if he went back to the NFL. There's a couple guys that Jim Harbaugh has a very long history with, in Vic Fangio, who was fired from the Broncos, and Pep Hamilton, who's kind of in limbo right now down with the with the Texans, with David Cully being fired. He's a former OC, former quarterback guy. Both of them have a long history with Harbaugh. They've worked with Harbaugh before. Now, you know, Ed Dodd's name is coming up as a potential general manager for the Raiders. They have history with Harbaugh. It just started to feel like all of these things were aligning perfectly for it to happen. It seriously, it, it started to, it, it was so reminiscent of everything that happened to bring Jim Harbaugh to Michigan. Mm-hmm. Like, some, you know, several things had to happen in the NFL, and then this had to happen with Michigan, and Brady Hoke had to do this, and then this had to happen, and the money had to, it just all worked out. Mm-hmm. And it just kind of has that feel again, for him to go back to the NFL. I still think going back to Michigan is the easiest path, but as a couple more of these things continue to develop in the NFL and on that side of things, it, it's starting to make a lot of sense for him to go back to the pros.
1: Yeah, it's it's sort of getting the band back together kind of stuff. Uh, Brandon Brown yeah. is yep. our guest. He is the publisher of Wolverine Digest by Sports Illustrated. Follow him on Twitter at BSB underscore Wolverine. And you talk about that, you know, why would Jim Harbaugh at his alma mater coming off the best season, as you said, in 25 years, why would he want to go to the NFL? Some people will say money. Well, of course, money is always a nice thing. But at the same time, you look at Harbaugh and the competitor that he is, Brandon, here's a guy, three consecutive NFC championship game, finally gets the Super Bowl, unable to win it. You know, guys like that, too, and, and you, you cover Michigan football so you know um, they, they don't settle. They want to win. They have a desire to achieve all that they can and get their teams there. Do you think that plays into his decision here as well to look at a situation and say, hey, um, I was there. I got to the big game, uh, almost to the big game four times or three times, but I got there once and wasn't able to win it. His brother has obviously won. Uh, do you think there's a little bit of that, that competitor in him that thinks, boy, if I don't try this, I'll never know?
3: hundred percent. Absolutely. That's part of it. And there are a lot of other parts of it too. You mentioned the stuff on Michigan side and you know, the money. I mean, Jim Harbaugh's not broke. He's doing fine, <laughs> but yeah, the money, money's great. I mean, he's he's on a 4 million base salary, right? $4 million base salary right now with the incentives of beating Ohio state, winning the big 10 and making the playoffs, He ended up doing pretty good last year, but his base salary is still pretty low. If the Raiders are chucking 10, 11 million dollars at him like that, that's that, that cost. Hmm. He's not completely motivated by money, but it's the factors. It's the competitive itch to get back and try to win a Super Bowl and try to do what he hasn't been able to do and wasn't able to do with the Niners in the NFL. And yeah, his brother does have a Super Bowl ring that he won against him. <laughs> so, like, you know, that was the Harbaugh bowl. That was the Nin- that mm-hmm. was the Niners and the Ravens, man. I mean, that, you know, that's that's every every Thanksgiving, every Christmas, there's John <laughs> over there with a the Super Bowl ring on his hand, you know? Um, I think that's certainly part of it. And then, like I said before, just so many of the things that I think would be a draw to him are on the table right now. Former, former coworkers and friends of his are available and happen to, happen to fit his staff and what he could potentially do perfectly. I think there's maybe, you know, I don't know, between three to five or six jobs in the NFL that would ever make sense for Jim Harbaugh. And like three of them are open right now. And I I just don't know if you're going to get that window again, 58 years old, You know, if he comes back to Michigan, you know, his stock is as high as it's ever been at Michigan, so NFL teams block him right now. That wasn't the case last year. There were no NFL teams knocking on his door after a two and four season and coming off of two massive blowouts by Ohio State the two years before that. Yeah. Now that's all changed. So it's a completely different scenario right now.
1: And Brandon, yeah, I agree with you too. I mean, at 58 years old, you're, you know, you're getting close to 60, so you decide, you know, do I want to stay at Michigan and and he could stay there for the rest of his life probably if he if he continues to succeed like he did this year Um, or do I need to go challenge myself the other thing too that I want to ask you as well since you cover the Wolverines one of the things that we keep hearing from from Raider Nation is that well Jim Harbaugh wears on his players and he he kind of wears out his welcome he's got a four or five year shelf life we saw it in the NFL Stanford all those different things I don't think that's fair I think you know, yes, is he a competitive guy? Is he an alpha dog? Absolutely. But, but what has the experience been there for the kids at Michigan and for the staff and the administration at Michigan? How do they talk about uh, Jim Harbaugh as a leader uh, of a football team?
3: Yeah, it's, it's it's a little bit polarizing. I mean, he is a different dude. You know, he, he walks to the beat of his own drum. He You know, he, he's quirky. He does kind of weird things with, you know, the media and the <laughs> press conferences and, like, I don't think, I don't think any players would call Jim Harbaugh a player's coach or say that he's like one of their best, you know, one of the best, uh, one of the best connections they've ever made with a coach or a person in their lives or that, you know, he's going to be a guest of honor at their weddings later on in their life. And that's okay. I mean, you, <laughs> like you don't have to be buddy, buddy with your players to be a really good coach. And in fact, there's plenty of really good coaches who are, you know, they're not that way at all. And, and, He's just different. I, I don't know if wears on people is fair. I mean, obviously, that was kind of a narrative, you know, leaving Sanford and how things played out with the 49ers. But that's not – I mean, he's going into year – you know, he's going into year eight at Michigan. I mean, that's, you're starting to get up close to a decade. He's not wearing on anybody. Ward Manuel, the athletic director, is a former football player at Michigan, too, so they have that bond and that connection. He does right by his players. He's an honest guy. He gets guys to the league. He cares about the academic side of things. And he's not a he's not a I don't know what I can say on the radio here with you guys. <laughs> he's not a mean he's not a mean guy, but he's he's not buddy buddy either. And I think that's fine. So yeah. I I agree with you. I don't know if the wears on people thing is is quite fair. Although it kind of felt like that at some of his previous stops, mm-hmm. I, I just don't think you can say that about what's going on at Michigan.
1: That's interesting. Well, Brandon, you got to keep us up to date on it. Uh, We'll follow the where is Waldo, where is Harbaugh, on Wolverine Digest. Make sure you check it out from Sports Illustrated. Brandon Brown has been our guest, and Brandon, we'll have you if, if if no matter what happens, we'll have you on again to talk about the the aftermath of the decision. It's not quite the LeBron James decision with a with a broadcast and all that buildup, but it's getting close, man. Everybody wants to know where Harbaugh's going and we're not seeing a lot of refuting of the fact that he could be considering that. So Brandon, thank you so much for joining us and we'll talk to you real soon.
3: Yeah. Thanks, hey Brandon. man, let's get Jim. Let's get Jim Harbaugh on a chair in the middle of a gymnasium to make an announcement already. I think we would love that. Let's do that. Like, I, Put this I, thing to rest.
1: I did see on Wolverine Digest that he when he was doing his recruiting thing this week that he was doing squats. That was pretty impressive.
3: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's the, that's the most recent picture that's popped up. That was at Jesuit High School down in Tampa, and he's, he's doing mm-hmm. squats of like, full <laughs> business attire. That's Harbaugh right there. That's Harbaugh in a nutshell yep. all day. Right
1: that's, that's him. Definitely. Wonderfully odd. you got to like it. All right, Brandon, take care of yourself. Thanks for joining us again. Yeah, thanks Appreciate for having it. You guys. Appreciate all right, buddy. We'll keep in touch. Take care. There you go. Brandon Brown from the Wolverine Digest from Sports Illustrated has been our guest talking about Jim Harbaugh and Uh, Mo. uh Wow, interesting. You know, I think this is it, we, it's not like we just shed a bunch of light and we can figure out, oh, he's going or no, he's staying. Uh, it's sort of the mystery. We're going to have to wait and see.
2: Did you hear what he said, though? And he wrote this in one of his pieces on, on, on Wolverine Digest that he thought that Jim Harbaugh would be on the Raiders list, but now he pretty much knows that jim harbaugh is high on the raiders list yeah. so it's just a matter as he just said it's just a matter of what can the raiders offer to lure him away from michigan and then it's all in the balls in jim harbaugh's cut do he does he want the offer? Does he want the Raiders job? Or does he want to stay in Michigan? Then he'll have to weigh his decision. Now, probably, as you said, you joked about LeBron James. It'll take a couple of days for him to come to a final conclusion.
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. And the thing that we talked about a little bit uh, last week leading into um, if the Raiders were going to get a new head coach, because last week we talked about your piece uh, about, well, if Basashi kept winning, they might have a problem in that they might have to give the guy the job. And I guess it's not, not a problem if he earned it. But nonetheless, You look at the openings, the eight openings in the NFL, and Brandon said that there's three that could really be tied or that seem like good fits for Jim Harbaugh. And I'm not just saying to throw red meat to the Lions that are Raider Nation out there, but to me, the Raiders' job, not only because of the mystique, the brand, Las Vegas, New Stadium, all that jazz and taxes, but also because they have a quarterback. And I know people who don't like Derek Carr won't want to hear that, but of all those teams in the NFL with openings, the most stable team with the most stable quarterback is Derek Carr and the Raiders.
2: Right. Right. And I was going to say this during the first segment. One of the reasons that I think Harbaugh would want to coach the is because you have Derek Carr there in place. You don't yeah. have to go out and do a widespread search for a new quarterback. You don't have to go through quarterback prospects in this draft class. That's not that impressive. I mean, the quarterback free agent CL class is not even that impressive. So unless you're going to trade for a quarterback, What are your what are your decent options other than Derek Carr? So I think that's one of the draws that Harbaugh sees that this team went to the playoffs. They have a quarterback. They have some defensive pieces. I have something to work with.
1: Yeah, I mean, they won 10 games. Now, again, they yes, they did it ugly, ugly for the last final four games of the season and, and into the playoffs. They didn't perform well. But still, they were there. You know, we—I think you and I picked between eight and nine wins, and that was almost exactly right. Um, and so, this team has made the progress. And if you're a coach and you want to come in and transform a team from a good, just made the playoffs team into a team that's actually competing for an AFC West championship and then an AFC championship, you got to start with something. It's not a, you're not going to walk into a complete rebuild because if you wanted to do that organizationally, man, why not go to New York where you can get all kinds of endorsements and you can do all these types of things, right? But the stable situation that the Raiders have is so appealing. Um, I'm a little struck that some of these coaching – Uh, these coaching candidates, so you look at Brian Flores, who I'm a fan of, uh, and some of these other coaches that are out there, Brian Dable, they don't seem to have any, there has been no connection between those guys who are openly interviewing with other teams and the Raiders. So to me, all of the, the signs point to one guy for the Raiders. Now, not quite as bad and myopic as it was when they went after Gruden, but Mo, I don't see them really talking to anybody of substance, and these rumors are out there and nobody's refuting them. You're, you're,
2: you're probably looking at my notes yesterday or something because you just touched <laughs> another, on another great point. And that's what I was going to say is that the Raiders have so many dominoes. They have so many big decisions to make, and they seem very slow with yeah. the head coaching interview process. It makes you think maybe there's something they have going on behind the scenes, which is why they're not so aggressive with these cans Because a lot of these top cans that we've talked about, Brian Flores, I had Brian Dable from the Bills. Um, other guys out there that are looking for jobs. Doug Peterson has a Super Bowl ring. Yeah, the Raiders Byron. aren't necessarily bringing these guys in, so you're thinking, yeah. okay, they brought in Gerard Mayo. Uh, they talked to Rich Basacha, who's been in their camp, so it's not really an interview. It's kind of like a, a kind of like a reintroduction. Yeah. In a sense. But no,
1: no Byron Leftwich or anybody like that.
2: Right. So you're thinking, okay, they they must have something going on behind the scenes because their head coaching search has been very sluggish.
1: Yeah, and it, and it, it fits with what people inside the building have told me that. There's lots of closed doors. And of course, the organization's gone through a lot of change. So that could be other things, too. But but there's just not nothing happening. And these people that I talk to, they don't always give me stuff that I tell you guys about, but they give me stuff. Uh-huh. And right. and they're just not hearing anything, which tells you that it's being very closely guarded. Uh, and of course, you know, Mo, we're into the off season now for the Raiders. So we're going to start talking about all of this. And of course, focused uh, this week and then next week, we'll see what news comes down, if any, as we head into the next round of the NFL playoffs. Which you can, by the way, make sure you follow Mo at Mo, M O E M O T O N, on Twitter. He's covering the NFL playoffs, all that stuff, in addition to the Raiders stuff, which he does up on sportsnot.com as well. Uh, and, and most so a busy couple weeks coming up, and we're going to just be on the watch, right? And then we'll start getting into some player evaluations, start talking about what the, the Raiders may be doing when they look towards the draft and everything like that. But um, it's going to be an interesting few weeks, my friend
2: yeah I'll have my khakis on I'll have my mazed. <laughs> I'll be wearing that outside when I'm out so we'll, we'll see what happens as everyone now knows I think Jim Harvey a great hire for the Raiders if they can get him so I think he absolutely fits of course I'll talk about that more in depth if they hire him but I think it's he should be he should be number one on their list
1: yeah he should be and and we'll see I mean Raider Nation I think uh i yeah, just, just guessing, 90% of the people I see talking about it, um, uh, with the other 10% wanting uh, Rich Bisaccia, um, uh, are on board. It seems like Raider Nation's ready for Jim Harbaugh. He's been successful, as you've mentioned many times, and not only your written pieces, but here on the show at all levels. Every program he has touched has succeeded uh, and gone on to pretty big things, and so you got to be uh, happy about that. All right, we're going to close out the show. We will keep uh, a tabs on all this. Make sure. You check out Mo's stuff. He writes uh, for Bleacher Report, so make sure you check out bleacherreport.com. Just search Maurice Moat, and you'll find his stuff there. You can also check him out on sportsnot.com. I am also on sportsnot.com. We have some stuff coming up there as well. You can hear our show out in Vegas on Sunday mornings. At 9 a.m., we have one more show, and then we go on the hiatus because it's a game day show. Uh, but make sure you check that out. Check out SNB tonight on Twitter. That's our handle. Also, SilverAndBlackTonight.com, where you can check out all of our audio archives. So if you want to go back and listen to the show and marvel at how often Mo and I are correct. <laughs> you- You can do that, right? So, Mo, have a good week, my man, and we'll talk to you next week. For Maurice Moen, I am Scalco Brands, and this has been Silver and Black Tonight on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio.
0: Please catch Silver and Black Tonight every Friday at 6 p.m. on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio.